are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew 26. I want to welcome you to church tonight. Great crowd. I know you battle the uh, freeways and traffic and uh, commuter lanes, all those things. But what a great crowd here tonight. Folks will continue to come in from work. And uh, the children, uh, some of the children's programs are uh, going on tonight. We're thankful for the workers. When you pick up your kids, be certain to thank them. And, of course, the nursery, the same. Visitors, we're so delighted you're here. And, we uh, celebrate the Lord's table uh, approximately four times a year, about once a quarter. And we're never told how often to do this. The many, many first many decades of this church, <clears throat> we would celebrate the Lord's table the first Sunday night. And I would say uh, of every month, and I would say probably 10 years ago, maybe longer, it, for me, I just wanted to keep it fresh, and it seemed like it was a little stale. I never wanted it that way. And so we went to this and we revolved the entire service around the Lord's table. And I really look forward to it. I've enjoyed it. Sometimes we've had a theme all about the cross or about Calvary or till he comes again or whatever it might be. And uh, tonight we're just uh, pondering the fact that our Lord loved us so much. And he promised to always be with us. And we look forward to this text. Visitors, thank you so much for coming. And um, if you've been saved and baptized uh, and a member of a church of like faith and practice, we encourage you to participate with us tonight. And uh, tonight, if you've not been baptized, well, get baptized at the close of the service. Participate now. And, uh, and then to take care of that second ordinance this evening. We also, uh, I mentioned, we generally do this once a quarter. We do it before a big event, uh, before missions conference. Before our anniversary, that's coming up in July, our 45th anniversary. And uh, this is before I Love My Church and Pastors and Workers Conference. And we look forward to uh, making sure that our hearts are right with God, pastor and the people of God. Today we're uh, in Matthew 26. And let me pray with you, please. Father, how I love these dear sweet people. I thank you for their love for thee. I thank you that I have the privilege to pastor this church, a working people that work in the ministry, a giving people that give so sacrificially, a godly people, very obvious that they know thee. I know there are so many in this room that at 3 o'clock in the morning or 3.30, there are scores of couples that for years now have been up at 3.30 in the morning praying for their pastor and his wife for decades and many have met God already by that time and shortly thereafter. They've talked and walked with you. What a wonderful church. I thank you for these wonderful deacons. And I pray your blessing on these moments together as we consider the thought that's before us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. It was 40 years ago, I don't remember the event, I read of the event, Forty years ago, there was a very stylish, beautiful 38-year-old woman. She lived in a distant state. She was uh, very successful. 
in her business. She uh, owned a beautiful condominium. She had beautiful clothes. She had a great job. She weighed 106 pounds. She was a jogger. She was very determined not to put on any weight. She would hold social events at her house, not drunken brawls and things of that nature, but just socialite visits and people would come and she knew how to be a great entertainer. You know, it looked like her entire life was the model life. It looked like she had everything. Apparently, I never saw the lady, but apparently she was very attractive. All these nice things, nice clothes, nice car, nice parties, nice house. Everything was great. But then she was murdered. And after they discovered the murder of this lady, went into her beautiful condo, they began to sift through her life. They were putting pieces together. Though she did not know the assailant, the person that took her life, as they sipped through her belongings, they found journals. And the journals told a totally different story than what was appearing to the public. Her private life was so sad. She'd write in her journals, I'm so worried about getting fat. I don't want to be fat. The lady weighed 106 pounds. She jogged, she was athletic but it worried her, it bothered her. She was so worried about, at age 38, she was worried about being alone in life. I don't want to be alone. I want to have someone. I want to take care of someone. I want to be with somebody. But in this planet Earth, there is no one for me. I'm so alone. I am so lonely, she repeated constantly. She worried about getting old and dying alone. She felt words like this, I feel so unwanted. And the key words were these, I'm just alone. I'm alone. And when you then think of her tragic death, she seems like it fulfilled everything that she worried about. She was alone. She died alone. She was slaughtered and murdered alone. As I pondered a few weeks ago, that thought of loneliness, I came to Matthew 26, and our Lord, you would think, was alone, but he wasn't. He's in the garden in verse 36. And they came, they came, then came Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he said it unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, tarry here and watch with me. And went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh and he findeth his disciples asleep. And he saith unto Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I went away again the second time and he prayed, saying, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. And he cometh with disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. You know, it's very obvious the disciples abandoned him through the tiredness of their lives, the sleep, when he needed them the most. In the garden, it would appear like he was alone. But Jesus was not alone in the garden. He tells us that in that text. He repeatedly says in prayer, my father. Isn't it wonderful that the father was with Jesus? Nobody else was, but he wasn't alone. I say that to bring you over to chapter 27. In chapter 27, in the scriptures tonight, I find something very interesting. No person on planet earth has ever been alone. Hebrews 13 verse five says, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may feel alone tonight, but as a Christian, you're never alone. I never walk alone. I have a savior who walks beside me everywhere I go. My heart rejoices in his loving favor. I have peace that none can bear below. I never walk alone. I have a savior. I don't care what it is when you're going through the valleys of discouragement, there is always someone there. The wife might be gone. She may have moved out. The husband may be gone. He may have moved out. The kids may have forsaken you. I was preaching the other night and a dear friend of mine I've known for years and years and years, I asked about his family. And of course his wife many years, 30, 40 years ago abandoned him and left him. And I asked about his kids that grew up and he said, you know, Pastor, Brother Traber, he said, I can tell you, and we talked together, and he said, my, my one, I've got a family member, and my, my own child will not talk to me. It's been years and years and years I have one that talks to me, but one child has totally rejected me. He said, my heart is so broken. You know, you may, have, be, you may be abandoned by marriage, you may be abandoned by family. You met one of the sweetest people I've ever met on planet Earth has been rejected by about seven grandchildren. The person is a perfect person. But that person has a mother and a dad that's got wrapped up in something and said, you cannot talk to your grandmother and grandfather. And for years and years and years, they've rejected their sweet sweet, godly grandmother that never through life ever hurt a soul. But you may feel alone, but I never walk alone. Sometimes I can't find him, but it's never God's fault because he's promised I'll never leave you. But I can tell you one person on planet earth 
one person, the scripture tells us, who experienced a life where he was all alone. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all alone? I, I can't fathom it. I mean, no one, not the Father, not God the Father, no one was there. This scripture tells us who that was. In verse 45, now the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land of the and until the ninth. And about the ninth hour, chapter 27, verse number 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God. This is the same God that promised he'll never leave you and he'll never leave me. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was alone that Jesus suffered in Gethsemane alone. He drank the bitter cup of deepest woe for me. Alone, yes, all alone. He had the Father with him in the garden. But when sin was laid upon him and he became sin for me, the heavenly Father had to turn his back on his own son, Jesus, because God the Father, who is holy and who is righteous, could not look at sin. And his son, who was rich, yet for your sake, Jack Treber, and your sake, became poor, that we through his poverty, and all that day suspended between heaven and earth on a cross, at least he had the Father. And when he hung on the cross, the Father said, I can't, I can't look at sin. Can you imagine what it must be like in life being alone? A couple of weeks ago when I pondered that, I began to think how the creator of everything, the creator of all these men and women at the cross, the creator of everything was alone. The sustainer of everything was alone, even abandoned by the Father. The friend to all was alone. The one who healed those that were afflicted was alone. The one, the Bible says, who went around doing good was alone. And I came to the point in my life, in my study early one morning, thinking I am going to do my best. Though the father had to turn his back on his own son. From this Lord's table forward and even before if I prayed as I prayed, I'm going to do my best to make sure that Jesus is never alone. I told one of the chapels today, I think it was college chapel, I just believe in singing to God. I believe when I, I believe in reading my Bible and praying and talking to the Lord. When I believe in singing to Him. I, I love to sing the great hymns that tell him who he is. A mighty fortress is our God. I like to sing, great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. I like to tell him when morning gilds the sky, 
may Jesus Christ be praised. I like to sing, crown him with many crowns. I love to sing to him, fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. And my thought first tonight is just simply this. Could you and could I from this day forward make sure that that one who had to walk planet earth and die on the cross and the only one that experienced what it is to truly ever be alone on this earth. No one was with them. He did this for you. He did this for me. And if he could do that for me, I, I owe it every day to walk with him. And I talk with him. And I want to tell him that I'm his own and I love him. I like to tell God, you're a wonderful God. You're a mighty God. You're omnipotent. Oh, how much power you have. I, wanna, I don't want to complain to God. I don't want it to just prayer be this big wantless of Jack Treber. And I believe in prayer. I believe the Greek word, a tale, is to beg, to crave, to ask. But I also believe that we ought to worship him in spirit and truth. What a sing to him. I sang the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise. And I get off on a tangent, Lord, you're the one that created these beautiful mountains and hills. You're the one that put these redwood trees over here on the west of the valley. And you're the one that has turned this golden, dead hillside on the east into beautiful plush green in the winter. And God, as I, as I fly over, as I fly, flew over the other day, uh, uh, over into Nevada, God, you're the one that put the snow there. Job says you send the snow and you send the frost. Man doesn't do that. And man's not in charge of the, uh, of the weather, but God is. And I fly over that ocean. I've come in so many hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of times from the East Coast, and you get down here about Salinas, and then they always bank, and you look down there at Monterey and Carmel, and you see that, that bay of water begin to circle around, and I said, right there, look at there, look at that ocean. And you come in sometimes, as I did just a few weeks ago, and you land in San Francisco, and you're on the bay, and you keep going lower and lower and lower, and it feels like you're going to land on the water, and then the wheels hit that runway. I tell you what, God put that water there. God put those mountains there. God put that snow there. God put that redwoods there. He is worthy of all praise. Unto thee, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Unto thee, all thy righteousness. And I get thinking about salvation. How I get to think the fact that God reached down in his mercy 63 years ago and saved my sorry soul. I'm a blessed man. And then, Lord, you gave me the Holy Spirit. He guides me. He convicts me. He comforts me. He leads me in truth. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And you gave me a holy Bible. I love the old Bible. I love this book. The old precious old Bible, old Lester Roloff, as he got older in life, he died at age 68 in that plane crash. But he said, I get up at four o'clock every day. I used to have a huge library, but I kept giving it all away. And now I just spend time every day in the one book. And he said, I just read it for hours and hours. And then I preach in the morning and generally preach in the afternoon. And I preach every night of service. I used to listen to AM radio around here when he'd be on the radio at night and he'd sing on, a, on the AM dial. Oh, what a blessing that was. You know, friend, today, 
I'm going to do my best to realize this God of the world who's rejected by atheists and rejected by agnostics and rejected by many religionists and rejected by the cults and rejected by liberalism and godlessness. I want there to be a place in Santa Clara, California, not only a church, but my life and my home where I live, where I say, Lord, today you're not gonna be alone. I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna talk with you. I don't want it ever to be said that I'm alone because there's no reason for me to be alone because he's always with me. But I don't want God to ever say, Jack, you left me alone all the time. You always left me alone. I wanted to walk with you. I wanted to talk with you, son. I wanted to show myself strong on your behalf. But you ignored me. And then I want to say, secondly, and I'm done. I'm going to look to a God who was lonely for a season all by himself for me. I'm going to try to let him know more than ever And I want to take inventory next Lord's table. Did I really make God aware that I I love him? He's worthy of all praise. I don't want my God to be lonely with me. And I'm going to do my best to look for lonely people. I'm told the number one killer of teenagers is suicide. How could you be so lonely? Well, it's possible. When a teenager has lost all hope, when a man has lost all hope, when a woman has lost all hope, I'm going to look for the fatherless, James chapter 1. I'm going to do my best to look for the fatherless. Make sure they don't ever feel alone. My Bible says in James that I'm to look for the widows. I'm going to do my best. I have my widow's list that I pray for these dear ladies. God bless them. I'm to be good to them. I'm to pray for them. May it be said that we're going to find fatherless and we're going to find widows and we're going to find sad and lonely. Some of the men that come to prayer meeting know that on Saturday night God just opened up the door about maybe I'm going to guess last November. And somebody just began to pray for prodigals, even in their own family. It was a special prayer meeting that night. You could just, you could just sense something was happening. And you know, we've never advertised that, but I believe almost every Sunday since November, I believe almost, if not everyone, almost everyone, somebody's come down the aisle and said, and I never used it the word publicly, and said, I'm a prodigal, but I'm coming back to God. I've had a lot of bus mothers come forward. I think of one sweet bus mother, and she was right down here weeping. Oh, she was weeping, praying, begging God. One of our ladies was praying with her a few months ago. She rode the bus, bus as she was a kid. I saw her in the lobby, and, you know, people changed. I hadn't seen her in probably 15, 20 years. I, 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 she might be here tonight. I'm not trying to be rude. I, I, I could not remember the face. And she talked to me as if 
I remembered everything, and she was so sweet. And we just cried. She said, Pastor, the prodigals come home today. By the way, in that one service, there was three adults that said to me in the lobby, I've been the prodigal. I never even preached to the prodigal, never used the word prodigal, and said, I'm the prodigal. I came home today. Three adults. And she said to me out here, look at me. I'm all scarred up. I've printed all over my body. Look at me. She said, Pastor, I just got out of prison. I've ruined my life. I knew better. Look what I've done. And I got to talk to her. I said, you know what? You came back home. She said, this is home. There's a lot of hurting people out here today. Let's not get wrapped up with our problems and miss their problems. Little boys, little girls, teenagers, college age, elderly, middle age. I was preaching Monday night near our state capitol. And the Lord reminded me of an illustration of so many years ago a young preacher was in his office studying. And the men that are many pastors in this church would tell you that if you're going to pastor, you have to study all the time. You have to read the Bible all the time. You have to study. You have to walk with God. It's just a, all, all the time, all the time, all the time. You never stop. And he was in his study and preparing for the Lord's Day on Sunday. And it seemed like the Spirit of God said, you need to leave your office and go door knocking. And he said, God, I feel impressed from you to go door knocking, but I, I, I just don't have time. I'm already so far behind. I need this time to study. It's dedicated to study. I've got to study. I, 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 I can't. God, I'm not trying to rebel. I can't. And he went back to study. And as he's studying, nothing was working. And he had that little debate with God for a while. I'm certain he was a good pastor. But he was overwhelmed at what had to get yet accomplished. And he said, okay, all right, all right. I'll go. I'll go, I'll go door knocking. And as he began to leave out, he goes, I don't even know where to go. I don't know where you want to go. And, and he said, God didn't speak to me audibly, but he just said, I knew I needed to go over this section. I call it Elm Street. I don't know where it was. And so I went to Elm Street. And he knocked on doors and he said, I, 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 I'm, God, I'm, I'm wasting time. I could be studying. I have to be studying. Nobody's even home. I'll do one more. And he walked up those wooden steps across that old wooden porch, beautiful old house, huge big basement below, you could tell, and two stories, and then another story that went up to the attic. And he walked up that porch and he knocked on the door, and nobody came. He said, Lord, I, I, I could have been in my office. I, I'm, I'm so far behind. And nobody's been home. I'm going to leave, and I don't know what this was all about. And he said, it was like the Spirit of God said, turn around and knock again. 
And he was having this debate with God. Some of it was out loud. And, and he, he knocked again. No one came. And he, he said, I'm leaving. And the Spirit of God said, knock louder. And he began to knock louder. Knock again. And he said, this is ludicrous. And at that time, he began to hear the stairs, the wooden stairs inside the house, and he could hear the creaking of someone walking down. He, he, he could figure out they were way up in the attic stairwell because then he heard the door and then they came to a landing and down second and then down to the first. <clears throat> he came in the, <coughs> the vestibule of his house uh, the, the man did who was going to open the door. <clears throat> and he opened the door and said, what do you want? He said, God told me to come here. I'm a pastor and I've been studying and I need to study. And he won't let me off this porch till someone answered the door and now here you are. And I have to ask you, sir, if you died right now, are you going to heaven or hell or don't you know? He said, I don't know but tell me about it. That preacher won that man to Christ. It was all done, and I've told you this in recent years. The preacher said, sir, what, what, what took you so long? He said, come here. They walked in that little vestibule area, this little foyer area, walked up the steps, and then turned and walked up another flight of wooden steps and they opened the attic door. When they opened that door, the preacher saw a noose. It was hung over the rafters and there was a chair. And he said, I'm so alone, nobody cares for me. I'm just a lonely man. I have no reason to live. I could die and wouldn't bother anybody. I'm just alone. They said, I decided to kill myself today knowing it would not bother anybody. I had my neck in the noose. I was standing on the chair. I was debating back and forth about kicking that chair out. I knew I was going to kick it out. And all of a sudden there was a knock at the door. And with the rope around my neck, I said, whoever it is, they'll go away. Nobody even cares for me anyway. And he said, sir, you just kept being so persistent. And you kept knocking. I finally took the noose off my neck. And guys, I got to go see who this nut is. And went downstairs and you said, if you die today. Sir, you saved my life. From death, and you saved me spiritually. God used you. There's a whole world out here that's alone today. People need the Lord. Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eyes. Lonely people filled with fear, headed who knows where. I guess that 38-year-old woman 40 years ago never was saved. There's no indication, the only indication, I'm alone. 
But I know someone was more alone than her, our Savior. He did it for me. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.